Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. This is Paul Gray saying welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I want to start out today by asking you if you've ever had a garden. When I was growing up down on the edge of the Ozarks of Missouri, almost everybody had a garden. This is somewhat of a holdover from World War II, where sometimes food, different things were scarce, and everybody was encouraged to have gardens. And in rural communities, we all just had gardens. Anyway, we called it making garden or putting out your garden. If you've ever done that, think about the process when you do that. You get the seeds for what you want. Let's say that you want to have tomatoes. You either plant the seeds or you buy a small tomato plant. Sometimes if you get the plants, you start with them inside, and eventually you plant them outside, or you put the seed in the ground. But before you put them in the ground, you prepare the soil. You till the soil. You take a hoe or a tiller and you kind of chop it up and make it all nice and loose and everything. Then you get the right seed. You plant it the proper way, the proper depth. You fertilize it. You put water on it. Eventually, it comes up through the ground. Then weeds come and you've got to weed the garden, pull the weeds out and everything. And the plant grows. Think of a tomato plant. It grows and eventually there are little things that blossom into first a green tomato and then a nice bright red tomato. Who's responsible for the growth of that tomato? Not the tomato. <laughs> Not the tomato. It's the gardener who's responsible for the growth. And ultimately, it's God, of course, who's responsible for all growth. Now, Jesus gives a great illustration of that in John chapter 15, where he talks about his father, Father God, is the gardener, and Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, and we can't do anything apart to him. We got to stay connected to him, and then we bear fruit. So what is our part in the growth, in spiritual growth? How do we grow? How do we become spiritually mature? How do we grow in grace? And who is responsible for that growth? Well, ultimately, God is responsible. And it's our only job is to be connected to God, which he's already done that. We are connected to him. Now, we're not always aware of that, certainly not always aware of how we're connected with him and what he does. Just like a tomato doesn't know, if you use this metaphor, doesn't know all the process that's going into it and know that they're a part of everything. They might just think, hey, I'm just, I'm a tomato. Nothing else counts. I think of the old cartoon where there are hand puppets, a hand puppet on each hand of a puppeteer. And one hand puppet says to the other, I don't know. I'm not really sure there is a hand, you know, like we're the puppets and we can exist by ourselves. 
<laughs> well, obviously not. So it's not our job to stay connected to God. We partner with God by being aware that we are connected, and then we grow. Now, the Apostle John talks about three stages of spiritual growth, becoming mature. And I don't generally like to have three stages to this or three ways to do that or five points or six principles or whatever. But since John does talk about these three different stages of maturity, we're going to take a look at them. Prior to that, I want to use a verse that I used the last time we talked, where Jesus is speaking in Matthew 18, verses 1 to 5. It says the disciples came to ask Jesus. I mean, they were very spiritually minded. They were very in tune. They were very selfless. They always had a godlike attitude and everything. And so they came to him and said, hey, which one of us is going to be the greatest in heaven? (laughs) A little tongue in cheek there about always having the right attitude. And of course, neither do I. They said, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Now, I want to look at that. I'm using the uh, the Passion Translation here, that phrase, heaven's kingdom realm. We're not talking about someday in a sweet by and by, up there and out there and way off somewhere. No, heaven's kingdom realm, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is here right now. It's the unseen but very real eternal realm that is here right now and forever. That's where eternity is, right here right now, but it's unseen. Well, Jesus, as usual, didn't answer their questions. He would always get right to what the heart of the matter was. He called a little child over to his side, and he said, all right, get this. Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking, that word is usually very incorrectly translated repent, dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable, and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you'll never be able to enter in, never be able to experience what's there in the invisible realm. He says, whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. And if you tenderly care for this little one, If you take care of and protect little ones so that they can grow, he said, if you do that on my behalf, you are tenderly caring for me because they're part of his body. I see Jesus saying here that no matter what age you are, now he's talking about spiritual growth. He's not talking about chronological age and being three or four or five years old. He's using that as a metaphor, an example. He's saying that no matter what age you are, How much religious education you've had or not had, how many degrees in theology you've had, how many Bible studies you've been to, or how many scripture verses you've memorized, for a person to even experience heaven's kingdom realm, the unseen realm right here and now, where God is and where we're all connected, we literally have to give up all the things we've heard and learned about God, be willing to set them aside we may find out that some of them are true. Many of them won't be. But we've got to humble ourselves like this little child, give up all of those ideas, and be willing to be teachable and start over like a little child with their daddy, with their papa. Talked to you before that when things are going well, when a dad is in his right mind, 
and letting Jesus live as him, when that father gets home from work, the little kids, he has a relationship with him where the little kids are going to run to him and throw their arms around his legs, you know, and hug him and jump up into his arms. And he's going to let them know in no uncertain terms that he's glad to see him. He's delighted to be with them, that he loves them, that any trouble they might have gotten into the day before or whatever, that's forgotten. That's past tense. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is always there. He loves unconditionally. Little children know that about their papa, when their papa, when their daddy lets Jesus live as them. And that's the way our papa, our father, God is. Now, Jesus says, in order to even experience the kingdom of heaven, we've got to have that kind of mindset, that kind of an attitude. I want to ask you to think about this. Now, if you can just put a pause on what I've been saying and set that out to the side for just a moment. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to use some Old Testament language here. Language that maybe many of us, not all of us, but many of us grew up hearing in church or different places. Let me ask you this. If God Almighty, God, the sovereign one, who is all-powerful, who knows everything, who controls everything, who's perfect in every way and can't stand imperfection, if God showed up sitting in the chair across from you right now, what would your emotions be? We saw time and time again in the Bible when God showed up or when people realized Jesus was God or when an angel from the Lord came. People were scared to death. They were afraid, total fear of that God, but that God doesn't exist. And every time Jesus or the angel of the Lord or whoever would say, don't be afraid. Have no fear. Don't be afraid of God. God is not to be afraid of. And little children know they're not to be afraid of. Their, I mean, it doesn't even enter their mind to be afraid of their dad, unless, of course, they have a bad dad. And humans can be bad or act badly, act poorly. But the perfect father is never like that. We've been taught lies, unfortunately, that we should fear God. We've been taught that by well-meaning, but misinformed religious people. They're not the enemy. They're not bad people. They don't know what they're doing. They're just repeating what they've been told before. In many cases, repeating things from translations from people who literally choose incorrect ways to translate words. In a book of Proverbs, the word translated in English, English as fear God, the fear of God, appears 14 times. It actually means reverential awe and deep admiration. It does not mean fear. It does not mean to be afraid of. It means deep reverential awe and admiration. The translator of the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons, talks about that in his introduction to Proverbs in his translation. And I've also been privileged to spend a little bit of time with Rabbi Lapkin, a Jewish rabbi who's a well-known and well-respected financial teacher as well, and who really knows Hebrew. It's his native language. He really knows that and understands it and teaches the Old Testament Scripture. 
And he told me personally, I asked him about it. He says, that should never, ever be translated fear God. He says, that concept is totally wrong, incorrect. It means reverential awe and admiration. So one of the ways that we tenderly care for little ones so that they can grow in the faith is to teach them never to be afraid of God, never to fear God, rather to be in reverential awe and admiration of the goodness of God and how much God loves you and cares for you and delights in you. See, that's a totally different concept, isn't it? Now, remember here, Jesus is not talking about chronological age. He's not talking about two, three, four, five-year-olds. He's talking about spiritually being like a little child, starting out at the very beginning and seeing the truth that God is your father, your papa, and God is totally good. And God totally loves you and everybody else. God just for you. God would never do anything bad to you. God will never punish you. You know, we'll teach you different things. We can call that discipline. We'll teach us different things, but never punish us just for punishment's sake or anything like that. And doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Peter writes in 2 Peter 3.18, continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow in grace. We never grow beyond grace. Grace, God's unconditional love and perpetual action, always bringing about the best, what is good for everyone, and bringing about ultimate reconciliation with all people. We never grow beyond grace. We always grow in grace. I've had some Great friends involved in our church before in the past who've said, all right, Paul, you talk about grace a lot, and we got that now. We got grace. Let's go on to something else. We never go on. We never grow beyond grace. We never go on from grace. We grow in grace, but we never grow like to learn to fear God. No, we learn to grow more and more in how good God is and in grace and intimacy and love with God. All right, there's an Old Testament verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you don't taste something bitter that you're afraid of. You taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus himself said that he came to seek and save that which was lost, not those who are lost. That which is lost, was lost. Well, what was lost was mankind's understanding and knowledge that God is good that God is love, that God is grace, that God is not to be feared, that God loves everybody equally and totally and includes everybody. And of course, Jesus, I say this a lot, I literally can never say it too much. Jesus told people he was talking to that he came to reveal God to them. And the reason why he did that is because nobody knew him. Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, the message translation says, Jesus was talking to the people tenderly, and he said, the Father has given me all these things to do and say. He only did what God, what Papa told him to say and do. He says, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge of each other. He says, no one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. None of you knows the father nor knows Jesus for who he really is. But Jesus says, I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. 
So Jesus said there, and in other places in the book of John, that nobody knew God, and he came to reveal the forgotten father, what God is really like. Now, John, one of Jesus' three closest friends in the inner circle, one of the twelve, really came to understand this little child concept, especially when he was writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John when he was about 90 years old. In 2nd John 1 to 5, John says this, from the elder, the older brother, he's writing to God's chosen woman. Now, we don't know exactly who that is. It could be the church. We don't know. And her children. I love you all as those who are in the truth. And I'm not the only one. For all who come to know the truth, Jesus, share my love for you because of the living truth, Jesus, that has a permanent home in us and will be with us forever. God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, his Son, will release to us overflowing grace, mercy, and peace filled with true love. I was delighted, John said, and filled with joy when I learned that your children are consistently living in the truth, just as we received the command from the Father. So he's talking about how delighted he is that children, young people in the faith, could be 90 years old, but people who are young in the faith are consistently living in the truth of who God really is. In 3 John, verse 4, John says, It's the greatest joy in my life to hear that my children are consistently living their lives in the ways of truth, in the ways of Jesus, in the ways of love and grace. Now, we're going to finish up today by talking about the three stages of maturity that John talks about in 1 John. These are not things you try to get, not things you work to do or become. This is like a plant in a garden, like a tomato plant. The tomato doesn't try to come up through the ground. It doesn't try to blossom. It doesn't try to ripen. It just is what it is, and it grows because God makes it grow. And from a human standpoint, we just are. We are in Christ and our part is to believe what God reveals to us and grow in grace. So here's what John says about these three stages of growing in grace. First John 2, 12 to 14. I remind you, dear children, your sins have been permanently removed because the power of his name. He's saying little children know that sin is not an issue with God. Your sins have been permanently removed by Jesus. Little children, one of the things we want to help them absolutely understand, and one of the things that they get, it's a starting point for all growth, is to know that God is a good papa and sins do not affect your relationship with him. They've all been permanently removed. Then he says, I remind you fathers and mothers, or it could be translated adults in the faith, you have a relationship with the one who has existed from the beginning. Now, get what he's saying here. John is saying, you spiritually mature people, you have a relationship with the one whom you know has existed from the beginning, before creation. You realize that God chose you before creation, before the foundation of the world, to have a relationship with you. 
God loved you in advance before he created you because of his great love, as Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, because of his great love for you before the beginning of time, before creation, God loved you, chose you to be in Christ, lavished on you every spiritual blessing there is in the heavenly realm, included you, and forgave you all of your sins. You are adults, you are spiritually mature because you have a relationship with God that began before time, and you realize that. Most people have no concept of that. But when you become spiritually mature, you realize you existed before time with God, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in Christ. You were a being before God ever created anything. God knew you and loved you and created you and lavished all the riches of heaven upon you before he ever created anything that we can see and touch and feel and hear and smell. Then he says, I remind you, young people, you're vigorous. You're wanting to work for Christ. You know that you have defeated the evil one. And I think there's a little bit of tongue in cheek there because young people like teenagers, people in their early 20s, feel like, hey, we got it. We got this. We know we can do it. We're strong. You know, yeah, Jesus will ask you for a little help now and then when we need it. But uh, we got this. Then he's saying, I write these things to you. He goes back to children because you truly have a relationship with the father. They truly do know Papa as Papa. And he goes back to the fathers and mothers. He says, I'm writing to you again because you've had a true relationship with him who is from the beginning. He's zeroing in on that. Then he goes to the young people. He said, I write these things, young people, because you're strong. The word of God is treasured in your hearts and you have defeated the evil one. Again, I think there's a little tongue in cheek there. But this is part of the three stages of growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In summary, he says to the little children, you guys have got confidence in your papa. You know God is papa. You truly have a relationship with papa, and you know your sins have been removed. You see papa as he really is. He's good and love and full of grace, and you have absolutely no fear. You would never be afraid of your papa. And then he's saying to young people, I know you guys think you're competent in your efforts. It's great that you work hard and strong and you want to serve Christ and you want to let Christ live through you and you do listen to Christ in your hearts. I get that. That's good. That's where you're at right now. And then to adults, spiritually adult people who reproduce and parent young people and little children as they grow. He says, you are confident in Christ, in Papa, in you, and living as you, and you've got a relationship with God that you know existed before creation. So in all of those three stages, here's our part. Here's how we grow. We listen to Christ in us, to Papa, the Holy Spirit. We listen to God reveal to us who God is, who we are, who everybody else is. And we say and do what he asks us to say and do. We listen to God. Now, that may be confirmed by what we see in Scripture. It may be confirmed by what we hear from other teachers. But the primary thing is, it's like what Jesus said in the garden, the vine and the branches, we know we're connected to God and we listen to God in us, like the life-giving life that comes up from the ground through the, the root of the tree, the trunk of the tree, the branches, and into the fruit, into us. Now, here's a big question. How do we know we're hearing from God? How do we know we're not just hearing from our own desires? How do we know we're not just tickling our own ears and hearing what we want to hear? How do we know we're not hearing from an evil spirit? Well, for one thing, a huge part of this, the Holy Spirit in you 
will resonate with what you hear from the Holy Spirit. You will have that inner confidence that produces peace, and you'll know you're hearing from God. And by having the lens of Christ, seeing things, reading the Bible Christocentrically, we learn to know that when we're hearing from God, what we hear from God will always be from pure love, pure grace, pure inclusion. There will never be any conditions or limits or exclusions or qualifications or judging or condemnation or shame. If we hear anything in our spirit, in our mind, in our gut, if we hear anything that's not loving, that's condemning, that's judging, that's fear-based, that puts limits on God in any way, that excludes some people, that says, you you got to do this, you got to have these qualifications or that qualifications, we can reject that out of hand because we know that's not God. So part of the way we know we're hearing from God is we know what God is not like and Part of it is when our spirit in us, the Holy Spirit in us, resonates with what we hear from the Holy Spirit of Christ. Back to Matthew 18.5. Jesus says, you got to have this mindset change and be like a little child with their father. And then he says to everybody else, tenderly care for these little ones. That means don't let them be taught or believe lies that God is anything but good, that God is anything but their papa, and don't ever teach them or let them be even remotely influenced by the concept that we need to fear God. All right, as we do that, then we all grow to become spiritual adults. We're going to talk some more about what that looks like next week. But back to, in closing, back to the three things that Paul says. Little children, they know that papa's their papa and he's good. We are to help them stay like that as they grow, not grow from grace, but grow in grace. We're to take care of them, to protect them, keep them spiritually pure and innocent and untainted by any lies and false mindsets about God. Speak the truth to them in love. Well, to do that, we have to first know and be spiritually pure and know that we're innocent and our sins have been taken away by Papa from before the beginning of time. So then as we listen to Papa, we hear revelation and we confirm that with our spirit, then we're able to protect little children from hearing wrong things and help them understand what's the truth. We'll continue with this next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I sure appreciate it. I enjoy being with you. Thanks for the comments that you uh, send me on different social media platforms or sometimes in person. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for being here for Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.